What's up, everybody? It's episode 20 and a very special conversation with Casey Bones. She's a fly fishing guide in Rockport, Texas. She's a surfer. She's a mom, business owner. And on top of that, she's changing the landscape of the way people look at fishing guides. So without any further ado, please enjoy Casey Bones. All right. It's going. Thanks for doing this, Casey. I'm I'm actually like uh, really nervous and excited to talk to you because uh, I have a daughter and a stepdaughter and I love okay. the outdoors and just following your Instagram page. Uh, it's one of those things like, man, if my daughter could just have things like that, it would be, it's just inspiring for a dad even to look at it as a little girl and go, things like that are possible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I have a 12-year-old daughter, too, and so, and I, my father raised me in the outdoors, you know, since I was really small, like five. I've been hunting and fishing my whole life, and I had my daughter at a pretty young age. I had her at 20, and, um, wow, that was a long, time flies. Uh, (laughs) so she's about to be 13, and, um... I, you know, a part of me being in the outdoors and um, being a woman in the outdoors is really empowering. So I've always wanted to show her that, you know, granted, yes, it is a male-dominated kind of um, activity, but as generations come up and as time goes on and as things change, more and more women are uh, getting involved in these outdoor activities like fly fishing and hunting and she hunts and she fly fishes and she loves being on the boat so um i'm you know i'm all about the getting the little girls involved yeah no (laughs) Uh, and women in general so well yeah so i guess to fill everybody in you're a fly fishing guy down in rockport right i am uh or i guess it would be up in rockport from where you're at fun for, you know, sight casting with plastics and, but 
there is something about fly fishing that really triggers me still. <laughs> but I, I'm, find, I'm finding my footsteps in, in the in the conventional fishing uh, with light tackle. Um, I'm starting to enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun, and it leaves a lot of room on the boat for more goofing off and more talking, and it's not as intense. And um, so, I, I, shallow water guide service. <laughs> shallow water guide service in Rockport. How did you get? into that or even started with um that sort of thing being a woman and going into something just me growing up on the coast my whole life i know Uh that uh i can't think of one you're the only one that i know of on this coast that i can think of off the top of my head that is a is a female guide so it's pretty impressive i just want to know how you got into it um well there is another woman. Her name is Sally Black. I don't believe that she guides as much fly fishing as she used to, but uh, she did kind of root herself here in Rockport, and now she's got a place down in uh, the Lower Laguna. Um, so, so there is another woman. She's she's older than I am. Um, uh, I don't know her well at all, but. Um, I will say she she does get a lot of the credit because I know she stuck it out, uh, and I know I came in after much much afterwards and uh, trying to trying to make a name for myself here as well. Um, however, uh, when I got started, I had picked up a freshwater fly rod, and I'm actually originally from the hill country in a small town called Bandera. <laughs> we're actually and, we're actually going out to Bandera uh, this weekend to uh, celebrate. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. You're going to have to say hey to my hometown for me. Because <laughs> uh, I haven't been back in a while. <laughs> uh, not much to do in that sleepy little town. However, from what I've heard, things have changed. Um, so I... My mother passed away up there, and I had not been back up there in a long time, and I was kind of at a point in my life where I needed to go up and kind of uh, had some time with myself, and I went up there with a uh, freshwater flight rod, and I went, and it was really, like, the first time I had ever really tried to, like, put some real effort into fly fishing. And I had never saltwater fly fished at the time. I had always done conventional fishing, uh, an artificial, you know, with bait and plastics and um, some sight casting, but never with a fly rod in the salt. And so I went up there and I caught bass and bluegill and it was so fun. And um, I got back uh, probably a month or two later. And this guy... uh, <laughs> this is going to be really complicated for a second. <laughs> Forgive me. Uh, it's going to be like, what? Wow, okay. No judgment, right? No judgment. <laughs> so this guy contacts me. At the time, I was helping uh, one of my dear friends from high school. Like, she, her and her father started this really rad, like, teardrop trailer company called Armadillo Teardrop. And there are these little trailers that you pull, you can pretty much pull behind anything. You can pull them behind a Prius, you know, and they pop out into these really awesome tents or they have like these hard shells where you have like a little kitchenette and I guess like the whole glamping thing. And so 
I was helping her sell these trailers, and so I was promoting them on my social platform on Facebook, and I received a message from a guy, uh, and he asked me, you know, about the trailers, and, and that conversation didn't last very long, and then he started talking to me about fly fishing, and before you know it, he's, like, asking me if I want to be friends with him so he can show me, like, how to fly fish in the salt. Because he had looked and saw that I was up in Bandera and that I liked to fly fish for what I knew then. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, <laughs> me and this guy spent months, and I mean months, uh, on a boat together, probably four or five days a week for uh, two and a half years. And he eventually became my husband. And then he became my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> that will happen. There's a whole bunch of mess in between. But how I got into it um, was from him. And I'm forever grateful. He taught me everything from running, you know, uh, flats boats to I, everything that is saltwater fly fishing. And, you know, I've, I've taken other steps for myself to really gained some knowledge about saltwater fly fishing. I've traveled and I've taken casting lessons and I've been to seminars and I've been to fly fishing shows. And, and so there are a lot of things that I've done on my own as well. But as far as really getting started, um, I will say that he was kind of the catalyst for that. Oh, well, that's pretty cool though. I mean, just to, yeah. to take that leap though and follow somebody that contacts you over an armadillo camper and then I know. you know you're down next thing you know you're on the coast in rockport learning how to fly fish and well, salt water I, I have been here you know i've been here for 11 years okay so i was just up visiting in bandera um my family is actually from here they've been here for over 100 years in cast and sitting in portland whoa and um my father left here when he was younger, and, you know, when my mother passed away, he came back down to take care of his grandparents, and unfortunately, my father was diagnosed with uh, pretty aggressive cancer, and uh, so I decided coming down here and being here and being near him was important, and I've always loved surfing. I've been coming down here since I was a little bitty girl. My parents would ship me off uh, for three months after school and make me come stay with my grandparents. And they're both deaf, hard of hearing. And um, my favorite thing to do was go to the beach. And so I spent, you know, every year of my life for three months during the summer down here in the Corpus Christi area on the beach. <laughs> Up until I was about 16, 17 years old. And so I have a pretty close, intimate relationship with this place. And the salt water is something that I've always had an affinity for, and I love it. And um, I love surfing, and I love fishing. I love the outdoors. I am not a girly girl by any means. Um, you ask me to go to the mall, I'm going to tell you no. <laughs> you give me a computer where I can order my stuff online, that's what I'm going to do. I'd rather be outside and... Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I just like being outside. So um, when I came down here uh, and when I met my ex-husband, um, 
I had been here for a while already. Okay. okay. Um, and was already pretty well rooted in the surf community. Gotcha. So you were visiting in Bandera, get the text messages over there, and then you come back and he's, you know, kind of showing you how to fly fish down there or helping you out anyway. Right. Okay. What I was it like? I ulterior motives anyway. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. not entirely sure after the fact that it was actually about the trailers. Yeah. Uh, he never bought one. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. Not a chance. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. that we were going to move out to Rockport and we actually bought a house in Lamar uh, over by Goose Island State Park mm-hmm. and we got that in March of 2017 and about five months later six months later Hurricane Harvey hit Ouch. and um, it was pretty devastating being uh, newlyweds and moving into a new house and being in like our first year of marriage and having something that devastating happen and uh, changed a lot of things for both of our lives. Um, and unfortunately for us, uh, we did not make it uh, through that. Um, but we're still friends and we still talk and I support him in everything that he does. And um, I hope the best for him and I'm forever grateful for everything that he's ever uh, shown me or taught me. Um, I definitely would not be where I am today in the profession that I am uh, without him. So I'm forever grateful regardless as to uh, what our what our personal issues are as far as our marriage goes. So. Well, that's awesome that you can have that, that outlook on it. I mean, it speaks volumes to, I guess, him and yourself that you can, you know, speak that way about him and and uh, and also realize that sometimes things are stepping stones into where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, you know. Absolutely. That's I, I'm a I'm a firm believer in that myself. With some things that happened in my life, you know, going through a divorce, and then uh, I tell my now wife that is just like my dream girl. Um, I tell her all the time I would go through all of it again to if I knew the results were going to be the same. So because it got right. me it got me to the spot where I needed to be. So I can, right. I, I totally relate to you when it, when it comes to uh, that situation. But as far as the guiding goes, um, mm-hmm. to switch gears a little bit out of all of the, uh, all of that talk, the, what's it <laughs> like? So when you, when you first start becoming mm-hmm. a female guide and especially a female fly fishing guide, what's that process mm-hmm. look like? It's scary. It's scary. And I'm going to be really honest with you. (laughs) Um, I, because uh, what, what a lot of misconceptions are about me and some of the things that I've heard, you know, other guides or other anglers say about me. And this is the difference. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is I had two years of my life where I had the time to put in and be on a boat four, five, six days a week learning everything I could for two years. And that would take a lot of people who did not have the opportunity that I had um, where 
I, you know, I didn't work a regular nine to five job. I, I did not have to work, um, to, to support this passion. I had an opportunity to utilize every single waking moment of weather, whether it be good, bad, good fishing, bad fishing, whatever. I wanted to be out there and I was addicted to it. And so I was able to accomplish what a lot of people would take because they're supporting families because they, you know, they're, you know, they need to put food on the table. Um, and they didn't, they didn't have opportunity that I had that I'm so grateful for, which is to be on a boat 24 seven, uh, for two years straight. Um, I've, I've caught a lot of flack for the fact that I'm new to a lot of this and I have not been fly fishing that long. Um, but I've put in the time and, um, the time that it would take somebody five, six years to put in, I put in, in two years because I wanted it so badly. And when I first started fly fishing, I never thought that I would sit there and, you know, one day wake up and go, I love this so much. And I want to share this with so many other people that I want to become a guide. And I had no idea if I was going to be good at it. I had no idea what the outcome was going to be, if I was going to be successful, if I was, you know, even going to get trips or anything like that. I had no idea. This was just some sort of, like, fantasy, you know. And so I went through captain school. And obviously, to a lot of people, very prematurely. Um, but I was comfortable in what I was doing. And I, you know, I was hoping that, a, that within the community, I would have trust that people would look at me and go, she's going to spend, I mean, surely she's comfortable in her choices. Um, it did not turn out that way. Uh, I went through captain school and I, the hurricane hit after that. Um, and so it kind of set me back a little bit, but it also gave me this timeline buffer uh, that allowed me to really evaluate what I was deciding to do with my life. And it was go balls to the wall or don't do it at all. And you have one or two choices. Being a guide anywhere, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're good, you're going to make it. And it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter, you know, what people think about you say it doesn't none of that matters if you are good at what you do that's going to outshine all of that and so after I had gotten my captain's license and I was just starting to get my first trips and I started uh really hitting it hard in November I did uh like 13 days straight and that was my first long haul. And they were all really great days with, you know, different clients and some for a few days, some for one day. But um, it was during the holidays and, you know, fall down here is pretty epic. And so I really built up some confidence during that time. And I felt really good about what I was doing. I went out, I bought my own boat. I, you know, I wasn't using my husband's boat. I was using my boat. Um, I was, you know, 
I was doing it on my own and it felt really good and it felt empowering. But then there was this other side of it where it was kind of dark and hard to deal with because I knew that and I knew that people thought that it was a joke and I, you know, people were discrediting me and saying some really horrible things and, and that's always hard to deal with and you can sit there and you can tell someone in my shoes, you know, keep your chin up, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, I'm going to keep my chin up and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but that doesn't change how any of that makes you feel internally and how hard it is to wake up on a daily basis and look at yourself in the mirror in tears and go, don't stop. That is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to wake up every day oh, feeling alone and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, don't stop, don't give up. And I didn't. And now I'm going to my second year of guiding. Um, and <clears throat> I had a little spell this past year where I didn't have a boat uh, for a couple months due to my uh, separation and ultimately my divorce. But um, I did end up getting another boat on my own and I did end up purchasing another property and I'm still pursuing this dream and I still wake up sometimes and look at me. <laughs> it's been a really, really interesting, long, cool um, experience this past year. But I'm grateful to be in my second year and I'm grateful for every single client who stuck with me along the way um, and new clients and, you know, people that just want to come down here and fish it for the first time and hang out with me and uh, stay, uh, uh, it's, it's been um, being a female, um, I never difference between male until I started kind of like misogynistic uh, comments from from men and um, if you read like that, I always kind of believe that. It was just because I was new, not because I was a woman, but I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I'm thankful that uh, friendship with some people, a good support system um, remotely. You know, I, I will hear that supported me that I could, you know, go hang out with and, you know, talk me up, but I had a good system, a good support system within the community that I could call and, um, you know, that, that really helped as far as keeping me going because it's been quite the journey and the reality is, uh, because I am a woman and because I am this kind of, uh, unconventional looking female and because I don't hold back a lot of my verbiage and my mouth and I'm very in your face kind of, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. Um, I really, truly, honestly have accepted that it will be like that for the rest of my guiding career. 
Uh, probably. You know, a lot of those, even with guy, like if you said guides in in general, like as being human beings, right. uh, if you're good, you're going to be successful. I mean, if you can put people on fish, people are going to be happy and they're going to come back with you and they're going to, word of mouth is going to spread uh, with that sort of thing. It takes a lot of work, but I mean, if you're good, ultimately you're going to, you're going to be a good guide um, and successful. Right. But those people are always getting talked about by the people who aren't as successful. Um, I think the rough part right. with yours is you might get talked about like that by people who are successful and it's a little bit of jealousy. Like, Hey, you're not supposed to be doing this this fast. Um, it's with anybody that's successful at anything at a young age, you know? Um, they, right. you know, and they're the new kid. That's what makes my situation a little bit unique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is you're, that it is successful who have rooted themselves that that have in the past said some pretty um, disparaging things about me. And it's always easy to sit there and point people out and go, well, they're saying that because, you know, they they don't find fish or they're not putting in the work or, you know, they're just jealous. But when you see people who have really made themselves into something who aren't accepting you into the community based on the fact that you're a female and have made that loud and clear, that's something that's really, really hard to swallow. And it does kind of separate me from the rest, not based off of any of my skill. And let me say this for the record, the people that have made these disparaging remarks have never stepped foot on my boat and I have never fished with them in my life. Um, and so, and so when we put those facts out there, it kind of gives you an idea, okay, well, you know, it's, I've learned to take these things with a grain of salt, but it isn't easy being a female. And I'm sure you could talk to any female guide across the country, um, and ask her, if she's ever dealt with anything like that. And I guarantee you the majority of them have some sort of story. Oh, I'm sure. It's almost impossible to do it in such a male-driven, uh, dominated area. You know, my even my wife, she works in, a, in like, the corporate world, so to speak, I guess. You know, she, she deals with a lot of big businesses. And in order mm-hmm. for her to do her job, if she did the same thing that, the other management and managers of other companies did, she would be looked at differently and is looked at differently and treated differently. And, you know, things are being said constantly about her and she has to be mentally tough to just keep going and keep pushing through that. Not on the same level as, as yours, but very similar to in, in that sense, you know, and, um, um, you know, that's, it's tough and I have a lot of respect for it. And uh, I guess that's what kind of drew me first to your Instagram. I don't even know how I made it to that page, but uh, I guess that's what kind of drew me to it because it's uh, you're catching lots of fish. The pictures are well done. It tells a story on your on your page. Like it kind of tells a story. You feel like you're watching this little like um, documentary, I guess. Right. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I mean, it's very well done. And incredible. myself is there's one thing I'm going to tell you I don't 
fake anything. What you see is real. And uh, one thing about the social media that I've always wanted to separate myself from is that kind of uh, portrayal of what's not real. Nobody ever goes out and has great days. Nobody ever goes out and catches big fish. And if that's all you're going to share, you're not sharing the real story. And, you know, I have a lot of days where me and my clients will sit there and we'll catch six fish, but every fish is 19 inches. And I'm like, hey, dude, we're releasing the fish. So does it matter that much? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean, and 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 then some days we'll catch big fish. Maybe we'll only catch two or three, but we'll catch, you know, 26, 27-inch redfish. Really skinny water. And that's a real story. And then maybe for like a week straight, I won't have any content because I've had to cancel trips for like the last week because of this gnarly, crazy weather that we've had, you know? <laughs> yeah, tell and, me about it. And so... Like, there's so many real components about being a guide that I feel like are not shared, and it's everybody's personal preference. But my personal preference and how I'm going to present myself to the world, and it's like a journal for me. I'm introvert, extrovert. Like, if I need to go out and hang out with friends, I can mingle. But I'm a homebody, and I really like being in my own space, and I like being in my own head. And I like my very tiny, 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 close-knit friends, you know. And I'm a mom. I'm a business owner. I'm, you know, I just, and and then I have this ill father. And I there's this part of me that's just, like, too drained at the end of the day to to try and pretend that life is perfect because it's not. And, um, and fishing isn't perfect and being a guide isn't perfect and being an angler, you're never perfect. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how long you've been casting. I don't care if you can cast a hundred feet, you can always improve yourself. And even as a guide, I still book people for casting lessons and I want to keep learning and I, you know, and so these are really intimate kind of personal things that I share that people look at. And I know this conversation has kind of been like, oh, well, what people think. But a part of me feels like this is an opportunity for me to clear some of those things up. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it, it's just being able to use a platform like that and be real and raw and honest. I think there's a lot of things that people can relate to. And I think being relatable and then being good at what you do is more important than just being good at what you do. You know, and I think a lot of that and a lot of the success comes in like the the thing that drew me to the same thing that drew me to that Instagram page is your vulnerability with it. Like what you said, it's like your vulnerability of not going out and catching the fish, the one where you're pushing the boat that you just, you know, posted. And I was just over at, what is it? Lighthouse Trails? Uh, in the ki- Lighthouse Lakes? Yeah. Lighthouse Lakes. I went on a kayak trip. A buddy bought a Hobie kayak, a tandem with kick pedals and these pontoons. and then It's a sweet kayak. But uh, we, I had no clue where we were going. He just wanted to go on an adventure, and he didn't have anybody to do it with. So I said, heck yeah, I'm going to go do it. So we went to Rockport and stayed at a little house. 
Then we went out there, and it it was so shallow. We couldn't even. We had to get out and walk the kayak through some of that Isn't spot. Isn't that beautiful over there, though? Yes, yeah, so pretty. It's so pretty. But you're pushing the boat. You know, you've <laughs> I got love it up here. you've got your boat. You're pushing it through. Um, you're not catching fish. That vulnerability of uh, posting that out for everybody to see, I think it makes people more comfortable with you. Everybody caught fish that day. Everybody <laughs> caught more fish than us that day. However, we were a little bit overly ambitious about where we could go. And uh, sometimes the reality is, is you sit there and you've got a skinny boat and you think that, oh, you know, I've got a pond skiff and it drafts like six inches. Okay, well, that's what it says on paper. But let's load it down for a second and um, get in there and have our fun by the end of the day, the tides dropped out. You know, how are you getting out of this thing? Well, sometimes you got to push your boat out. <laughs> and uh, it makes the day, though. It makes for an adventure, and it makes for a learning experience. Like, so now I know on a day like that, on a tide like that, I'm not getting in there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, and, how, but how much fun was that day? Because that, that was sucked. Everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But I mean, it's always an adventure. It, it should always be an adventure. And in the beginning, for me, and I think for a lot of anglers, is it's just about catching fish, right? You want to go out. You want to catch fish. That's like the goal. And then the more you do it, and the more I have fallen in love with it, and the more I have got really acquainted with these waters up here near Rockport, um, I, it's, it has become an adventure for me. And I know that every time I go out, I'm going to have something to laugh about. I am going to have something to maybe cry about. (laughs) I'm going to get frustrated or I'm going to, you know, hug my client while they're super excited. I'm going to hug my friend because, you know, we went out on a day that neither of us had anything to do and we had an epic day together it's just, it's always something. There's always an opportunity to feel something out there. And you never know what you're going to get. And I think that's kind of the chase for me at this point is, you know, I've gotten I've gotten really acquainted with, you know, okay, well, we're going to find some fish and um, you're going to have a couple shots. You, you may have a couple shots. You may have 100 shots. I don't know, you know, but we're going to try our damnedest. Um, and then you have days where it's just kind of like I just, want to go and I want to be out there and whatever happens happens and uh, uh, you know you get some people on your boat that are pretty serious about fly fishing and they want to see fish and those days are a little bit complicated and there's a little bit more pressure than usual and then you get people that kind of make up for all those other people who just want to go out there and they just want to be out there like they don't care and you know those are the days where normally you end up catching a whole bunch of fish because and you have so much fun on the boat excuse me um that you you can sit there and just kind of have this like make a laxed friendship with somebody you don't even know that you're going to spend seven hours with on the boat you know and uh you talk about all kinds of crazy things and you get to experience something really cool so um yeah i mean it's it, being able to put yourself out there and allow that vulnerability, the vulnerability, like you said, um, and and make yourself relatable in real life, 
Um, I've never met up with another skiff on the water and tossed a beer to them. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that just does not, I'm sorry, but it doesn't happen on a daily basis. Maybe some in other places, but uh, I've, I've never seen that. <laughs> uh, and I surely wouldn't be handing over my beers to another person. Um, but, you know, being able to present a truthful storyline and uh, journey is important to me. And uh, something that I'm going to continue to do, whether people like it or not. And um, the people that don't like it, I don't, okay, you know, and the people that do, I am glad that I can share my journey. And I hope that I share my journey with them someday, you know, that they're fishing with me or I'm fishing with them or, you know, maybe they're another guy from somewhere else. And, you know, maybe I have a thing or two to learn about, you know, from them. So, um, the social platform has really, has really made this adventure a lot uh, more fruitful in more ways than one. So, um, yeah, it, it, just being real is is the most important thing that I can, I could, I think I could do in this entire in this entire journey. So. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and it it bleeds through at everything. Like when you have to walk that boat through, it actually makes the day even more fun for some people just because it's different it's an adventure you tried something new and you didn't make it but you're like okay well we're just going to get through this and then fish over here um that sort of thing i mean like i said we got stuck it was one of my the most fun trips i've had on the water i only caught three keepers the whole day because i had no idea where i was going didn't know anything about the area but we got lost and went into the trails and bottomed out and walked the kayak forever and he had a speaker on his boat and we played we played music while we walked at that point in time and you know kicking stingrays around that sort of stuff was fun it was it, we spent an hour and a half getting out of this area and it was just so enjoyable the whole day so um i think that's what makes everything like special it makes it n- not generic um, and that's not what you want when you want to pay your money to go out and somebody's like, you know, on a, on your off time, you know, they're paying you on, they're paying you on their off time. So, um, that entertainment val- value is really, really, um, really, really cool. Also, right. I noticed something else, not to just segue a little bit into something in the conversation, but sure. you, you've also been up catching rainbow trouts and then taking groups of women to places to fly fish is that right correct so um the when i when i caught the rainbow trout i actually uh filson i'm not sure if you're familiar i really i've heard of filson never been able to afford their stuff and it's never really been cold enough to wear their stuff until now here in texas um so they actually contacted me. They are an outerwear company. Uh, they've been around since like the late 1800s. Um, and they made like these oil jackets for coal miners. And they contacted me and they were like, hey, so we're shooting a campaign and uh, this is what we're going to do. We'd like to hire you to do it. And so I had this really amazing opportunity uh, to go to some really cool places 
um, and catch rabid trout. And um, in the midst of doing this this awesome shoot, which you know, I'm so addicted to saltwater fly fishing, and I spend so much of my time in salt. Like, I love the Florida Keys. I go multiple times a year. Um, I fish in a the Ladies Tarpon Fly Tournament in Isla Morada, and the salt is where my home is, number one, because I love saltwater fish. They're just amazing and aggressive, and I love the the, the tropical kind of vibe and being on a boat and and then there's also uh i like warm weather <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah yeah <laughs> so, i'm kind of suffering right now but uh i really enjoy warm weather and so i've 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 never really had uh the desire to go up and freeze my rear off and waders and layers and and my hands are cold that they're you know it's so cold out that I see these pictures and people's fly rods are icing over I'm like I just wasn't built for that you know that that makes me cold just seeing a picture of it (laughs) and so when I had this opportunity to do it I thought it was really awesome you know um and, and just the whole experience that I had on that whole trip was amazing. But I've also hosted uh, women's fly fishing trips to the Bahamas. And then this next year, uh, because last year was canceled because of the hurricane, um, uh, I'll be hosting trips in Mexico. And so um, I'm really excited about that. And I love Mexico. I, I love the culture. and <clears throat> I like to go down there and, um, you know, and so and just being able to take people to these really cool places and kind of get them out of the box and maybe show them something that isn't their normal um, daily routine. I I know that uh, I, I've met some folks who are a little bit intimidated to pick up on saltwater fly fishing because it is such a different animal and it's not <clears throat> while freshwater, you know, sweetwater fishing is pretty difficult because I've now experienced it firsthand, like from a drift boat, it is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I realize it's like the angle of the dangle in the river yeah. <laughs> and where saltwater fly fishing uh, side fishing or side casting is a little bit more technical, a lot more technical. And um, so to be able to break people out of their shell and kind of put them into this really intense situation where they see this fish swimming at the boat and, you know, if this fish is going to eat and the opportunity is, is like you have to put this fly in front of this fish. You have to show this fish the fly. That is a... A feeling all alone by itself and it's almost compartmentalized because you show the, the fish the fly and then you have like 10 other components <laughs> like you have to keep your cool you have to then move the fly and then you have to like drop your rod tip down to the water and make sure that you know you, you don't have any slack in your line and you've got to maintain like this strip that is gonna make that fish want to eat your fly and then the fish actually has to eat it. And then when it eats it, you have to strip set. And then when you strip set, 
you have to actually get the fish to the boat. And so there's so many different components to saltwater fly fishing that are, uh, it just makes it this really intense. It's like uh, the adrenaline junkies are high for saltwater fly fishing. Yep. And always chasing like the biggest fish or the, like tarpon or like the most aggressive fish or like the hardest fish to feed, like permit, you know, like I, I always see this about saltwater fly fishermen, and it's like, I feel like we're all a little bit broken. Like, there's something wrong with all of us, because we put ourselves through, like, the worst turmoil ever. And I, you ask any avid saltwater fly fisherman if he has been on his knees on the bow of the boat, or she, with her, or his hands, or his head cradled in his hands uh, over a fish, I guarantee you a lot of them have stories that <clears throat> are, you know, wouldn't be that big of a deal to some people, but because the chase is so addicting and because we want it so bad um, and because the skill that it takes to get out there and make a cast like that and to put it in front of a fish and to have that fish either not or lose the fish is just there's no feeling like it at all well you kind of so, you kind of earn it you earn it at that point you know you've, yeah, earned, you've earned your yeah, catch yeah absolutely you you will you earn the loss too you know because sometimes sometimes you make the most perfect cast and you get that fish's attention and that fish sees the fly and for whatever reason that fish isn't going to eat that's not on you that's on the fish but you still earn that moment and unfortunately it's going to be a moment of pain <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah but <laughs> your appreciation level for when you do land that fish is so much higher than the appreciation level of somebody oh, who's yeah. not doing it oh absolutely absolutely and, you know, in my personal experience, I chased tarpon for a year straight, and I went to different countries to actually try to do it, and I still came up empty-handed. And um, <laughs> it wasn't until I was pre-fishing for my ladies' tarpon tournament that I actually landed one and got it to the boat. Like, I had jumped tarpon before that, but there's such a such an incredible acrobatic or aerobatic I guess it went aerobatic, acrobatic, flying through the air, aerobatic. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a word? Uh, animal. You, <laughs> you know, you're throwing a two-inch fly, you know, at this fish with a hook the size of your pinky finger. Like, the chances, and there's such bony mouths, and there's such big animals, and they jump, and they shake their heads, and, like, they want nothing to do with you, and they're just pissed off. And and to be able to land one of those fish and to get it to the boat and to see the magnitude and how beautiful these fish are is it's an incredible uh, it's an incredible experience and when you've spent I always call tarpon my twenty thousand dollar fish because. <laughs> It took me a year and that much money to finally land one, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are they are a very expensive fish. Um, you 
know, you you get people that, you know, they, they're like, oh, I want to go catch a tarpon on the fly in the Keys, and that's all great, but the reality of fly fishing, and I love the Florida Keys, and this is happening everywhere where you find destination fly fishing, but the, the Keys is one of those places, and the Bahamas is too, you know, it's just a very expensive place. And so uh, being a new angler, having the resources and being able to go chase those kinds of fish um, is really an opportunity. And um, I hope that everyone gets to try it one day. I hope that everyone gets the opportunity to go fish in the Florida Keys. I hope everybody gets to go chase bonefish in Belize or the Bahamas. Um or, you know, throw it permit in Belize or even in the Keys. Um, there's just something really special about these places. Uh, you know, they it, it takes a lot of um, a lot of money saving, but it, uh, it's it's so worth the experience. And um, after I went to Costa Rica and then I went back to the Keys to go try to finally land a tarpon. Um, I remember thinking I have wasted so much money trying to catch this fish, you know, <laughs> and I had fed them and I had, you know, had them on the line and fought them for minutes and then they break off at the boat or, you know, they, they jump and then there goes your fly. And you think <clears throat> I, I had this mentality like, well, I just wasted all the time and the money. And then. But the reality, and that's just a natural feeling. That's a natural feeling. Um, I, I, I could not help but feel that. Um, and then when I landed my first tarp, then I was like, it was worth every penny. You know, it wasn't a huge tarpon, but man, those fish don't give up. And they didn't give up. I didn't give up. I kept trying. I kept traveling. I kept, you know, throwing at these same stinking fish, trying to, you know, get one to the boat. And I finally did. And it was worth every single moment, every everything I've ever put into it is worth it. And so everybody has their saltwater fish that they chase. Like, I know people who are sick for permit, and I hate permit. They make me so mad. And they make me cry. And the first time I ever actually had a full-blown meltdown on the boat was actually this last July. And I had two tailing permit. I made the most perfect cast of these fish. And one of the fish turned and was about to eat my fly. And then it ate, but it didn't eat. And then they just kind of swam off. And I, I was heartbroken. And there's this disconnection between the fish and the angler that's always going to be there where you sit there and you're like, I have no idea what that fish was thinking, but you want to know what it was thinking because you want to figure out why it didn't eat because you did everything so perfect. There has to be an explanation as to why that fish didn't eat. And unfortunately with those fish, you'll never know. (laughs) They have a reputation for that. And they make people crazy, and they make me crazy. And um, I had a full-blown meltdown on the boat. I mean, I was on my hands and knees. I dropped the fly rod, and I bawled for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And um, 
my dear friend John, and you know, he looked at me and he was like, of course, he was great. And he was like, I, I, dude, I don't know what happened. You know, I don't know why that machine heat it was perfect. And then that's not really what you want to hear. You know, you want to hear a reason as to why the fish didn't eat. You want to hear that you made a mistake. And so you can correct it and you can blame it on something. But to be able to go out there and, and perform like that and not have a fish eat, it's, it makes you feel something so rotten but so good at the same time that you just can't stop chasing it. So it's kind of like water fly fishing. Huh? It's kind of like your like your guiding situation. Uh, yeah, you know no, you're absolutely. you know being a female guide and having all these people say things about you and you know well respected people beating you down and you're just like no I'm not going to stop I'm not going to stop and you keep going and you keep going and then finally you know good things happen it makes it that much sweeter you know oh yeah and you know emotionally I've had hard times alone I have never actually felt the struggle as a guy um I will one day but I haven't yet um so you know that's that's one thing I haven't experienced why it's like well you know they can say things or they can discredit I'm still out there with people I'm still showing people you know what I can and I'm teaching and they're still catching fish and I still have repeat clients and I still have new people booking and that's really really exciting for me and it makes me feel really happy because I do feel like I have a lot of knowledge to offer but I'm learning every single day and um, I, I have enough to offer somebody to have an incredible experience um, Yes, there are going to be people out there who know way more than I do. And they're always going to know more than I do. But that's not going to stop me from wanting to learn more, you know, and to share it. And I'm not, I'm not an info whore. I'm not afraid to share, you know, things with what flies, why this fly, you know, what time of year. I'm not afraid of any of that. I think people should know that. And, um, you know, people are going to fish with you because they want to fish with you. If they don't want to fish, if they don't want to book you, they don't want to book you. But it's, 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 you know, if you can offer somebody, people are paying for knowledge. Yep. And they're paying for an experience. And if I can put them at the boat ramp when we get back and they learn something, so the next time they come out and either fish with me or fish with somebody else, I don't care. He took something from that that made them a better angler. And that's all I care about. Well, I mean, also, it, it, I noticed this in life in general. You become more successful when you think abundantly versus scarcity. Like, you sharing the knowledge with people, like, this is what fly goes here. You know, uh, my trip to Colorado when I, I went in a van up there and I went – fly fishing really funny story i was saltwater fly fishing with a 10 weight rod and i did no research at all whatsoever i'm just gonna go that like, is a huge rod yeah i'm gonna I, and now i'm gonna go uh fish freshwater rivers in colorado with, that's awesome 
it it did not work out. I ended up having to get some new gear while I was up there at like a Walmart <laughs> in order to catch fish. But uh, um, because you can't even cast the size line you need. Well, that, like you're I, up there like casting a brown trout with a ten weight. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. Only imagine. I say it's the the same equivalent of me sitting in the middle of the river with a surf rod, you know, right. like just cast it out there with a big old weight and wait for something to bite it. But um, that's hilarious. Yeah, but uh, that was that was my uh, my funny freshwater first freshwater fishing trip um, deal that went on it, but just the effort to do it and experimenting and going through that. But when I walked down some of these paths, I would ask people, they'd see me with this big gigantic rod and I'm walking down like, Hey, you know, I'm used to coastal fishermen, you know, Hey, Oh, that hole's good over there or something. And, uh, I'd ask him, Hey, where do, where do I need to go to catch fish? He's walking out and they just stare at me and walk by and I'm like, what is the deal? Nobody would give up spots, places to fish they wouldn't help anybody out. You just kind of have to go figure it out your yourself. And um, right. I feel like the opposite would actually benefit people more. It comes around to reward them whenever you go, hey, right. go right down over here and cast this way and throw it by this rock. And, hey, you've got too big of a rod, dude. You need to get something different. You're not going to catch fish here. That sort of thing right. would have helped me out. And I wouldn't have spent an entire half a trip trying to figure out why my line's breaking. <laughs> and so right. I finally yeah. was like, oh, I need to get a different equipment, you know. But you but you helping out someone like me that's walking on the pathway that doesn't really realize, they have no idea what they're doing. I'm trying to get started. All of a sudden, you put like a little twinkle in their eye. And right. you made them want to go out and do it more and do it more. And forever and forever, they're going to remember that and talk good about you. So right. uh, I think those sort of things no, work absolutely. out way better. And another component of that in being a saltwater guide um, and even freshwater, I'm sure this is for them up there. The deal is, is we all pay to be guides, but we all exploit the fishery. Okay. We're exploiters. We are exploiting a natural resource that was given to us, and we make money off of it. And um, when you when you look at it from that aspect, it is a little bit dark, and it is a little bit uncomfortable, and a lot of people would, you know, kind of cringe or, you know, not take that in a, in a way that is too that I'm that I'm intending it to be, but it's true. And, and, you know, we're going out and there's tons of boats out there and we're making money every day and we're taking people and we're showing people our spots. You're showing people your spots. And I have an incredible photographic memory. You know, when my ex-husband and I would always run the boat, I would never look at the GPS. But as soon as we would pull up to like a slough or something, I'd be like, oh, this is this spot. And he's like, how do you remember that? Well, because I have a photographic memory. I could get here. I remember this, you know. And I still, to this day, don't run a GPS on my boat. That's awesome. And it, because I I sit there and I remember. And because that's just the way that I am. And I'm sure that I have had a lot of people on my boat who remember. And um, especially if you don't have to go far for fish. 
but we are all exploiters of the fishery. If you're making money off the fishery, if you're taking people out and you're 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 taking from the resource or you are um, showing people the resource, you have to be open to the idea that you are showing people your your money maker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean you are. And if anybody really wanted to go out and catch fish on their own and not hire a guide, they'll do it. They'll do it. And you're not gonna stop them. Nope. But you know, I know that there are different places along the Gulf Coast that are really protective about their fishery, Louisiana being one of them. And I love Louisiana. It's such a fun time. But uh, for me, you know, I mean, I don't want everyone going all alone to these spots that I fish. But I know that being a guide and taking these people out, I don't know them from Adam. You know, we're not friends at that time you know from the moment they get on my boat to the time they get off yeah we're probably friends but i i I don't know what their intentions are i don't know if they're booking me because they want to see the area and they want to go out and eventually go out on their own and do this i mean whatever more power to them you know i don't volunteer that information but as a guide and as somebody who, you know, is is going out there and taking people to your secret places or, you know, showing people a really cool experience. You just have to be open-minded to the fact that you are helping people regardless. You know, you're helping them regardless. So why choose one over the other? I have people contact me all the time. Hey, where is a good place to wade fish? You know, can't afford a guide or I really just want to be alone. And I'm like, you know, I know a few places, uh, and I'm real honest about it. I'm like, I don't know how good they are. I don't, I don't like weight fish, but there's some places that you can access by foot, and this is how you do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if it gets people, more people out on the water, if it gets more people practicing conservation, if it gets more people with a fly rod in their hand, or if it just gets a guy through his weekend away from whatever, or a girl, or whatever, from whatever stressed life they have Monday through Friday, then you have contributed something really special to that person regardless. And you've contributed knowledge. And knowledge and sharing knowledge is total power. And I think it's really healthy. And I think the more that a lot of the guys sit around and try to hide and make this kind of like elitist, secretive kind of group within each other, the more people are going to rebel and go, I'm not booking guys. I'm not going to do this because I don't, I don't like that. And I know I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be a part of something like that. Like I don't want to pay some guide who's only going to tell me what fly or where I can weed fish if I pay him $700 for a full day of fishing. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, be, yeah. a, be a good person. You know what I mean? Be a cool, good person and just say, hey, help someone out who shares the same passion as you. You didn't invent this. You don't own this. None of us do. We exploit it every single day that we work. And it's important that we realize that. And it's important that 
were, you know, not overly giving, but helpful in a way that people can pursue their own passions without the sport. Yeah. I'd... It's the same thing with surfing, you know? You know, somebody comes up and they got the wrong board or they're not paddling in the right spot or they're sitting in the white water and you're like, hey, paddle out further, you know? Yeah. Come that, out here. That's the... It's the same thing. You don't want to sit there and watch that person sit there and get their, you know, get pounded by, you know, the breaking waves. You want them to come out there and, yeah, they're probably going to be in the way, but at least when you catch a wave, they're not going to be sitting right in front of you. Yeah, and it's... That's one thing I've never really understood um, is surfers are supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be like a a very zen free, and it is. I mean, there's nothing more meditating than when you paddle out. Like, it's just you by yourself in the ocean. There's no cell phone. There's nothing. It's just you focusing on the wave at the mercy of whatever's underneath you and whatever's coming at you. And you've got this little yeah. board that you can float around on and have a good time with what mother nature brings your way and uh people acting like they own the own the waves and they're not gonna you know tell the kooks or the the rooks where to go and how to do it and not giving them instructions kind of beating them up it seems counterintuitive because they were at one point in the same position and oh yes you know they had to learn somehow somebody had to teach them they didn't just go out there and just do it you know um so it it uh it baffles me with the surfing thing. And I love surfing. I love surfing. I, I took my kids. I told you, you know, in the text message, I took my kids down there and uh, we taught them how to surf and, and my wife how to surf. And she popped up very first try. It was, it's very annoying that she's so, so good at things. That's but, awesome. Yeah. And just, <laughs> she wrote, it. <laughs> wrote it all the way in, like all the way in. I'm like, I'm super duper happy and proud. I'm jumping, jumping up and down and everything. And, uh, but I love it so much just because it is one of those type of sports. And, um, I saw, like, do you ever travel to do any of your surfing and that sort of thing? You just surf there in the I Texas area. I do a little area. bit. I do. I'm actually, I, today I was like, you know what? I kind of need to get out of town. I think I'm going to go down to Mexico in December. Um, so I do. I, I, um, <clears throat> I've been to a couple different places and I enjoy it. And, Every every place has its own kind of rules, and uh, but then every place has its person or people like that think the way that you and I do too, and um, so I've like I've never been to Hawaii, but I've always heard like really oh, horrific things you. about like surfing in Hawaii. <laughs> From you know, I've always heard these stories. Like, it's like you don't go out, or California, you know, and they all kind of have their own little cliques, and new people aren't allowed, and you're not allowed to, like, surf here, basically, and it, it's kind of disappointing, because we're all here for the same thing. We're all here because we love the feeling, or we want to experience the feeling, and denying somebody of that is the worst possible thing you could do to somebody and it's not your place it's not it's not your right to sit there and deny somebody a feeling that you yes may have had years or you know more experience in and have earned but that person is going to earn it too with or without your help 
And I would much rather be that person to help somebody get there than to be that person who stepped in their way and deterred them or made them not want to experience it or ruined it for them or, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, I, I wish that whole mentality didn't even exist. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. Absolutely I- I've heard the stories about Hawaii too. Now I've been to Maui twice in a period of eight months, and um, you definitely need to make that a priority of a place to go. It's awesome, and we I rented a surfboard there and just went out, um, no lesson or anything, just rented it, went out, and I experienced nothing but super kind, helpful. They were like, "No, come over here." He was helping everybody That's from awesome. tourists. This guy, he had like a little hat on. But all of them, all the locals were out there, and they were actually helping, pushing people into waves that have never surfed that before. Amazing. It was super cool. It was one of the best times I, I had had, and it really surprised me because I thought it was going to be, you know, I kind of stayed on the outside of the lineup, just like, um, I don't know about this. You know, I'll just catch some white water in and have myself a good time. And uh, I ended up just jumping in the mix because it was, it, they were so friendly. Now, on some of the other, like, better surf spots are they that that way i don't know but i can't i can only speak to the spot i went to and it was fantastic that's awesome to hear though yeah yeah it kind of breaks that mold you know like you hear so many negative things about you know you don't hear negative things about one spot you hear negative things about oh i surfed in hawaii and it was like this or i surfed in california and it was like this or I'm not going to lie, I've been here to Texas, obviously, I've been surfing here for 12 years now, and uh, I've seen it with my own eyes, and I'm telling you, we're talking like a waist-high day, kind of clean, but I've seen our own local boys punch each other (laughs) over a waist-high (laughs) way, okay, and I'm like, seriously? You know, I mean, yeah, granted, there might be 50, 60 people out there, but why are y'all fighting? You know, I've been sitting here for 15 waves now, and I haven't caught a single one. You know, I just, um, it, it would just be so nice, and the, the correlation between the two, of, you know, my experience with fly fishing and surfing, um, and I, I know that this comes with everything, but these are the only things that I can talk about because they're the only things that I'm really, really integrated in. Um, but there is this mentality that, and, and fly fishing is supposed to be like this pure sport. You know, yes, it has this reputation of being an elitist sport too, which it still is um, with it being costly and it's an expensive sport to be a part of. And, um while surfing really isn't, all you have to have is a board. Um, it, surfing's more territorial, as you know, as far as like ownership goes. Like this is my wave, get off. Um, where fly fishing is a little bit different, and uh, yes, it's territorial, but we still kind of have to work together to make it work. Uh, surfing is a very solo sport. Uh, fly fishing is a team effort, but they still kind of have this same, uh, I'm not going to teach you, you know, and then uh, it's just this, it's an elitist 
mentality, and I wish that it didn't exist. And I think that uh, this is a little bit cliche and maybe a little bit sappy, but I I think that the world would be a better place <laughs> if more people were uh, were kinder with sharing information. Um, uh, you know that that would help somebody experience something that makes us feel good. Um, and I think there's a huge lack of that within society. You know, we sit here and we're like, I have my things that make me feel good, and maybe they'll make somebody else feel good. I want to share it with them. Um, I don't want to keep anybody from feeling that. You know, I don't. I don't own that, and it would be a waste if people restricted their knowledge from other people because why else do we have knowledge you know we have knowledge to share with other people we have knowledge to share with ourselves and uh to sit there and hold on to that knowledge and make it your own and never share it with anybody else or not teach the next generation or not teach the next up-and-coming guy or not teach the guy who's wanted to whole life and he finally gets the chance and you know there's nobody there to offer him any help and he has this terrible day you know maybe he still had a blast I don't know but it, it, we would be doing a disservice to 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 people as a whole by not um by not being cool and just being open-minded about the fact that like hey somebody taught me this you know yeah I, I'm gonna teach you yeah, I think. Who are, who are you to put a price on that? Yeah, I think you're doing an amazing job of changing the mold on that, and I really, really dig the passion and everything else and everything you do. It just bled through in this whole conversation of you talking about fly fishing and surfing and your trips and being a guide and the ups and downs that you had. It just, I think you're changing, uh, and hopefully you do change the landscape of it to where it's more of a an abundance thing and i wish you all the success casey is there anything you want to uh you want to plug where to go where to find you to guide your house anything like that uh before we end the podcast uh, yeah so um i you know you can contact me at uh info she on the fly at gmail.com I have lodging available uh, right here on the Lamar Peninsula, which is like a quarter mile from the boat ramp. I have a really great mini lodge called Casa Pequeña. It's a small house. Um, It has two really comfortable queen-size beds, a full kitchen, full fridge, bathroom. I provide everything. There's even booze available. Um, I do uh, full day, half days. Uh, fly and light tackle, all sight casting. Um, and yeah, I I think for me, it's just being able to get people out and enjoy the outdoors and uh, be able to offer them an experience kind of uh, not over the top, but something really cozy and comfortable and uh, to, to get them into the outdoors. So, you know, whether it's surfing or fishing or if you just want a place to stay, um, I'm available to share what I have. So right on. And what's your Instagram again? It is at Casey Bones. It's K A C E E Bones. Casey, perfect name for a guide. 
Awesome. Well, this was fun, Casey. I really appreciate it. Thank you very, very much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.